There are lots of mantras that I live by, including "I'm open to outcome, not attached," and "I can handle whatever happens." I've recently adopted a new one based on some recent experiences—experiences that have left me angry and upset. And this new mantra is so good that I have to share it. Our question this episode: What can we do when we're so mad we can hardly see straight? Welcome to episode fifty-five of How Can I Say This, where we look to build connection and community through courageous conversations. I'm your host Beth Bilo. Thank you so much for joining me. Today's episode was inspired by a recent walk in the neighborhood that I had with my dog Ginger. But before I get to that particular story, I want to share with you what made me realize that what happened on that walk was worth sharing with you. I was in a mediation yesterday, and、um, prior to the parties showing up, I was chatting with my co-mediator, and there was also an observer in the room, someone who's learning how to be a mediator, and she asked us what was the longest mediation we'd ever been part of. And Bill, my co-mediator, who's been doing、uh, mediation, I believe, for about twenty years, said that the longest mediation he'd ever done was over a three-day period, with each day being about five hours of mediation, which is pretty intense. And you would think that it would be some sort of complicated legal issue or family problem,、um, divorce—you know, something with a lot of moving parts. And when we asked him what was the topic, he said it was about a barking dog. <laughs> And it's funny because the barking dog is kind of a cliche mediation scenario.、Um, you know, when we think about conflicts with neighbors, we think of. Barking dogs and not having control over them and them keeping us up at night and all of that, but the fact that he had a three-day, fifteen-hour total barking dog mediation just kind of blows my mind. <laughs> but in the course of him sharing that, I said, "Oh well, you know, I kind of have my own dog story, and it it could have ended up in mediation if I wasn't careful." But here's what happened: my dog Ginger and I often go for a walk in our neighborhood, and there's a little dog. And I'm just going to call him Fido、um, to protect the guilty, <laughs> or maybe the innocent. The dog isn't necessarily guilty, but Fido is in the neighborhood. We've seen him several times.、Um, Ginger has met him, and、um, you know, basically without incident. I knew where he lived, and I knew that sometimes he would run around loose, but he always seemed to stay right close to his house. And this particular day, this was just maybe a week or two ago, I was walking Ginger. And as we、um, crossed the street, we noticed that Fido was in another neighbor's yard—not his own yard, but another neighbor. And when Fido saw us, he started running back and forth against the neighbor's fence. And then finally, he left that yard, ran across the street in front of a car to get to us. So that was alarming enough that he almost got himself hit. So Fido crossed the street and ran up to Ginger and started, you know, sniffing around. And what ended up happening is Fido just basically followed us our entire walk. He would sort of jump on Ginger,、um, you know, dance around her. You know, I could tell that he didn't have bad intentions. He probably just wanted to play. And Ginger's on her leash and she's trying to walk. She's trying to sniff.、Um, 
and she's not really a dog, a dog's dog, <laughs> if that makes sense. Um, while she's not unfriendly and she's certainly not hostile, she also doesn't quite know what to do if another dog is really enthusiastic around her or is um, kind of hounding her, so to speak. So Fido, you know, did this for probably about five or 10 minutes. I was trying to get Ginger home, but Fido just kept following us. And I was getting really mad. I kept saying, you know, Fido, go away. Fido, go home. Trying to point him in the right direction. He ended up following us to our doorstep. And he probably would have come in if I had let him. So he's not a bad dog. He did not have bad intentions. I'm convinced of it. He just wanted to play. But at this point, I was furious. Because as I said, Ginger is a, a, she's a more sensitive dog and she, um, she was getting kind of riled up. And I was kind of worried that, you know, the, that they could get into a fight if Fido kept at it. So I was really mad. I was mad that that dog almost got killed. I was mad that he was harassing my sensitive dog, that he was loose. Um, that he was probably doing his business in other people's yards, and that he needed so much attention that he had to harass us to get it. So I put Ginger back inside the house, and I took a few deep breaths and decided I needed to go straight over to Fido's house. So I tried to breathe and calm down, and as I walked over, I thought about what I was going to say when someone answered the door. I'd planned to say... I'm worried that you didn't know that Fido was out running around, and I saw him run in front of a car and almost get hit. He was also following us on our walk and trying to play with Ginger, but Ginger's not really great with other dogs, and I was worried they'd get into a fight, since Ginger started to look like she was feeling threatened, and she was on a leash, and Fido wasn't. So that's what I was going to say, and when I say was going to say, it's because when I knocked, no one was home, or at least no one came to the door. And even though I had kind of rehearsed my my language, it was probably good that no one was there. As I reflected on this incident, it brought up a childhood memory for me um, from when I was maybe in third grade, and I was riding my bike in our neighborhood. I was already afraid of dogs. Honestly, we we never had a dog growing up. And for some reason, you know, I must have had an even earlier experience that was negative with a dog. But in this case, I was in third grade. I was riding the bike in the neighborhood and a dog chased me on my bike. And, you know, I was small enough. Maybe my bike was small enough. I don't know. But he he or she um, nipped the back of my leg. And so, you know, there was broken skin. And I, you know, got upset. I'm sure I was upset. I, you know, rode home. My dad was furious when I told him. And he insisted on taking me with him to the dog owner's house. And I remember standing there, you know, sort of like what it felt like standing there on their front porch while my dad, you know, kind of chewed him out, you know, saying you need to keep your dog in your house or in your yard. Um, you know, you your dog hurt my daughter. And you know, I remember feeling embarrassed, like I didn't even want to go in the first place, but I felt very embarrassed just standing there really wishing my dad hadn't gotten angry. Of course, he had every right to be angry. And I, 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 I'm sure I knew that at the time, but I really do see that now. And I don't remember him being abusive towards the other person. And we left without incident. And of course, the next place we went was the urgent care so that I could get a tetanus shot. But I do remember that embarrassment and maybe even shame at being there when, you know, and witnessing my dad 
getting angry with this stranger. So the day I was angry about Fido's unwelcome advances on our walk brought me a better understanding of why my dad got so angry. I really had to work at staying calm, and I'm pretty positive that my dad did too. And so I look back at that and I admire that while he was angry, you know, nothing bad came of the incident, except me getting a tetanus shot. (laughs) And that's where the mantra I mentioned in my intro comes into play. I've shared in some trainings I've done recently, and the more I've reflected on it, the more I believe that it is a game changer. And it goes like this, what else could this mean? And the full context is the following quote, and it's from um, Shannon Adler. She's an author. And she wrote, most misunderstandings in the world could be avoided if people would simply take the time to ask, what else could this mean? I think you can tweak that question a bit depending on the situation. For instance, I found myself using a slight variation of um, what else could be going on here. The main point is that when you ask that question, it challenges your assumptions. It makes you think twice. Usually our first thought goes to someplace that's, you know, potentially hostile. Um, I know mine did when I was dealing with the Fido issue. And by taking a step back and saying, what else could be going on here? It takes you down another path and helps you to form perhaps different assumptions, which I'll be talking about in a moment. So when I think about the incident with Fido, I think what else could be going on that would help me release the anger towards that owner? Some possibilities were he got loose um, from his leash. You know, he broke his leash or somehow got away from his owner when he was out for a walk. He got stuck outside without them realizing it. And that might sound kind of far-fetched, but there's actually a funny video going around I'll have to link to of a dog that got accidentally locked out of the house at the end of the evening and was clever enough to uh, go up to the buzzer outside the door and hit the buzzer and the owners could hear the buzzing inside and then see on the security camera the dog with its big nose right up there. So it's possible that a dog could get accidentally put outside. And it could be, you know, another thing that could have been going on was that they couldn't have him inside the house right then because maybe somebody was visiting that was allergic or, you know, there was just some other reason why he couldn't be inside. In the end, it's about trying to be generous in our assumptions rather than immediately going to malicious intent. It's true that the intent might be negligence or maliciousness. But assuming that from the start only sets you up for righteous anger, and that shuts down any possibility of a civil conversation. Because, you know, most of the time, and you know, think of this for yourself, if you've ever been the object of someone's anger, whoever spurred your anger didn't mean to do it. You know, they they didn't set out to make you angry, and they would probably be understanding or remorseful if they knew how you felt. But that's only if you express your concerns in a way that they can hear it. I want to offer you two closing tips before my call to action. If something sets you off and you have an impulse to yell or lash out, pause. Just take a moment. Take a few deep breaths. If it helps, you know, consciously think, breathe in calm, breathe out anger. Breathe in calm, anger 
breathe out anger. And then secondly, consider how you frame your position. What I originally wanted to say to the dog owner was, are you crazy? Your dog almost got killed. He was harassing and bullying my dog, and you shouldn't have a dog if you can't take care of it. Now, that would not have gotten me very far. There are so many activating words in there, like crazy, killed, harassing, bullying, um, you shouldn't have a dog. Those kinds of words will get you retweets on Twitter, but they will not help you resolve a conflict with another person. So instead of what I originally wanted to say, I thought twice, and I reframed my position by trying to make generous assumptions. Those might sound like they don't know that he got out. They knew he was out, but had a good reason for it, and they won't let it happen again. They want him to be safe and would want to know that he was running into the street in front of cars. Even if none of that was true, thinking that way, making those generous assumptions, it calms me down and puts me in a place of curiosity instead of accusations. That means that the other person is more likely to listen to me and provide information that will help us to resolve the issue. And I want to say that, you know, all of that processing probably took me about a minute, which is about the amount of time it took me to walk over to the neighbor's house. If you need to sleep on it and you can, you can take that time, then that's great. But I invite you not to make it too complicated. Just challenge your initial assumptions. Notice any emotional words that might make the conflict worse, like I mentioned, harassing, bullying, um, killed. And try to find a way to reframe your concerns that won't bait the other person into a fight. Your call to action is to practice asking yourself, what else could this mean? That magical phrase can stop you from going down rabbit holes with so many things. And it's not just limited to conversations. You could ask that question when you get an email that at first read seems to be dismissive or hostile. It could be a look that someone gives you. It could be a tone of voice. It could be the call that you're expecting that doesn't come. These are all situations where we can make up stories about what's going on, and that can bring us a lot of stress as a result. Notice where you're making assumptions and pause long enough to consider, what else could this mean? If you practice this enough, it will change your conversations and your relationships, and dare I say, your entire life. Thank you for joining me today. I hope that this has been helpful. And if you'd like to learn more about the coaching and facilitation services that I offer, please send me a quick email at beth at howcanisaythis.com, or you can complete the contact form on my website, howcanisaythis.com. Contacting me does not obligate you to anything, but it does get us connected so that we can have a conversation so that I can hear what you're looking for and we can collectively see if we're a good fit for one another. I also invite you to share this episode with any friends, family, or colleagues that you think might find it interesting. I also appreciate your reviews and ratings on whatever platform you find this podcast. And please, I invite you to subscribe and come back for future episodes. 
This is Beth Bilo, and you have been listening to How Can I Say This? Our podcast producer is Paul Messing, and our theme music is by Brett Anderson. Thank you for joining me today, and I invite you to take what you've learned here and use it to speak up, speak out, and speak courageously. Courageously.